attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I am your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week on the podcast, we're taking a little different approach to the show. I've got three guests, Bob Holub. Jerry Popeye Weinstein, and Sonny Gilbert. Sonny, you've heard on here before. I went to Bob's place in Palm Desert and uh, sat down with the three of them. And we sort of just had a, you know, we just sort of had a conversation. It had a lot less structure than the podcast normally does. Uh, They asked me a lot of questions. Uh, One of the cool things when I was on the road talking to some of these guys is because they hadn't been to camp in so long, or maybe hadn't been back in so many years, they had as many questions for me as I had for them. So they would want to know, you know, what's it like now? What sports do you play? Are the meals still the same? Things like that. So as I was getting ready to start editing this one, and I was listening to the, just the camaraderie in the room, the way the four of us really were going, and they didn't know me, and they're all good friends, and they've been friends now for 70 years, thanks to camp. Uh, I sort of thought... I think this one is for the people to just listen to the whole thing. I only made a handful of tiny edits and you really just get to hear our whole conversation. So it starts a little sloppy, but you'll pick it up pretty soon. Everyone will introduce themselves eventually and you'll know what's going on. It's a real special episode. These guys were really amazing. So I think you're going to totally dig it. So without further ado, here we go. Bob Holub, Jerry Weinstein, and Sonny Gilbert on the Camp Ojibwa history podcast when i was 17 it was a very good year it was a very good year for small town girls and soft summer nights well, jimmy jimmy mills went to ojiwa uh he missed me for uh uh, wasn't uh, uh, Joe Levy and Joe, Joe was there Joe Levy with Joe Levy. one year uh, so one year yeah. and then Jerry Goldberg and Ronnie Goldberg oh, Jerry Goldberg, Goldberg I remember yeah they were done, there were three four Goldberg boys oh wow Hooks remember Hooks Hooks <laughs> Hooks Hooks go Stan was the older Hooks that was Hooks Hooks then there was Jerry yeah. and then yeah. there was Ron and there was Lee yeah Right. Four Goldberg boys. Right. Wow. And one is out here now, Jerry. But and that's interesting because during my time we had four Goldbergs, all from this, all brothers. Yeah. Uh, these are brothers. Yeah, David, four. Michael, Adam, and is the other one Josh? Their dad is a camp doctor, so he he got a long run of being a camp mm-hmm. doctor because he had so many boys there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, lots of families, uh, you know. To, Groups were Barsi was a good group. Howl. Well, the biggest group was Howl. 
It was ten, I think it was Ted Hollins up there. I think it kind of was. I don't think it was Ted, but it was Mr. It was eight or nine. Morton Mill. Remember All right. Well, let's get it officially started. Yeah. Right, For the record, uh, please say your name and your years at camp. Bob Holland, Camp Ojibla, from 1935 to 1941 or 42 when World War II started. Excellent. And please, for the record, say your name. Jerry Weinstein started in 1933. I was not quite 70 years old at the time, a little bit short of seven, and stayed till through 39, 33 through 39. Excellent. And we also have special guest, Sonny Gilbert, uh, chiming in from time to time. There till 1951, much longer than any of you guys. <laughs> 19 years. Couldn't get out of the camp business, this guy. <laughs> no, I wouldn't get the camper by own. <laughs> Bought my own camp. So, gentlemen, talk to me about uh, your first, how do you first find out about Camp Ojibwa? I really don't know. I, oh, I suppose I had a couple of cousins who went there. Mm -hmm. And my, I think my dad knew Al Schwartz. My dad was in the food business, and he used to sell Al Schwartz his food for the summer, canned foods and things like that. Wow. Not nothing fresh and frozen. Mm -hmm. In fact, that was before the days of frozen food, I think. Oh, sure, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yourself? I uh, started up there. I had an older brother who went there back in the uh, probably. 29 or 30 or 31, he was five years older than me. So uh, that was experience. Said how he got there, I'm not really sure. Uh, but somewhere along the line, through uh, friends of my father's, somewhere along the line, who had campers there. That's the way it usually is. Yeah, absolutely. And in those days, you guys took the train to camp? Yes. What was that like? And I assume your first time away from home. Probably. I don't think so. Never bothered me. <laughs> well, the trade the trades were terrific. These were overnight. We get get on the train late late afternoon or early evening and spend the night. And the kids had more damn fun there, uh, running up and down to the, the aisles. Or some guys were in upper upper bunks, and somebody would would pull the guy out of the upper. We pull him down out of the upper bunk. <laughs> All kinds of craziness going out of those, those camp those yeah, camp trains. Fun on the train going up and coming back. Yeah. Do you recall if it was just Ojibwa on the train, or was it other camps as well? As far as I know, it was just Ojibwa. It was a regular train. Oh, I see. That, that Chicago Northwestern. I got you. And Ojibwa just bought out a car. Bought out a couple of cars or something like that, yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Is that right, Howard? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee Road, maybe. Maybe it was Milwaukee Road. No, no, no. It was Northwestern Railroad. Was it Northwestern? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then, so you get to camp. Your first time at camp, what's the first thing you can remember? Well, I have no recollection. We were assigned to a cabin, mm -hmm. and we go in the cabin, and I guess we had to get our trunk or duffel bag or whatever it is. Probably I learned how to make a bed. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what else yeah. to think of. That makes sense. That's probably the first time you had to make your own bed. I hope. Yeah. Yes. And also the last. <laughs> As it turned out. Yeah, right. Perfect. So camp in those early days, um, do you guys have a sense of how big it was? I mean, as far as a uh, number of kids, like? I would say the first time we started to go in there, maybe 120 kids or something like that. There was 12 cabins with eight in a cabin. You started that way, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that would be 96, and then there were probably some cabins with more. So probably closer to 100 kids okay. at the beginning, something Excellent. like that. 
And as far as counselors, did you have, was it one JC and one SC? or yeah, one, or one, one senior counselor, one JC. Mm. Excellent, excellent. So this is cabin? Cabin 5, 1937. Al Schwartz, you see standing there? Mm -hmm. To his left is Bob Harrison. He was a counselor. And to his left was Chuck Hollum. Okay. He's a junior counselor. Ah. And, uh, and the guy sitting there, the guy in the middle is Monty Feldman, right under Al Schwartz. <laughs> and to his right is Ray Hollum. Okay. And all the way to the right end of that is Bob Hollum. Okay. Okay, so there were a lot of Hollums there yeah. for a lot of years. Do you know the other guys? I can name almost all of them. Okay. Uh, starting on the left mm -hmm. is Donnie Corn. And, and I think that's I think that's Norton Cone from Louisville, Kentucky. Oh. Okay. The, the next one there is Ray Hollum. Okay. That's um, Monty Feldman, mm -hmm. Hank Davis, Maynard Leffler, myself, Bob Hollum, Alan Klein, and Popeye Weinstein. Okay. I did pretty good then. Did pretty good. Yeah, right? It's not bad at all. And they're all a lot of long-time campers. I mean, yeah, it wasn't just one or two yeah. years. They were there for a number, yeah. number of years. Now, I see on the cabin there's a sign that says Honor Cabin. Yeah, that's because we the cabin, whoever cleaned their cabin very well or something like that. Ah. Since, you know, when they had Sunday service, cleaning or Saturday inspection, hmm. cabin inspection, something like that was called. And if you get good, you got an honor cabin. Oh, ah, okay. Now, what um, what rewards came with being the honor cabin? Do you remember what you got for doing it? Just no, the sign. I, just the sign. Yeah. <laughs> well, as competitive as camp is, yes. that's probably good enough. Right. Uh, now, in your time, were you guys big sports guys already? Did you come to camp already liking sports, or did you got to get turned on to it? Well, I did. I went with Monty Feldman. He and I were friends before we went to camp. Ah. Not real close, but through camp we became very close friends. I see. To the day he died. Nice. Yeah. Yourself, were you a sports fan or a sports player already, or did camp kind of? I was probably one of the worst athletes that ever got to the camp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was a regular right fielder in those days. <laughs> Did you like the sports though? Oh, sure. I mean, sure. Oh, I love baseball. Yeah. yeah, I love baseball. That's one thing that's always helped you at Ojibwe. It's, it doesn't matter if you're good, but if you you got to like the sports. you yes. got to enjoy right. what you're doing. Right. And if you're good, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bob was, Bob was a very good swimmer, and his older brother was a fine swimmer, too. Ah. They were swimmers. A lot of people used to say that Camp Ojibwe was too competitive. Sure. And, and you know, I suppose you've heard that. I've certainly heard that. And I, that was the part of it I loved the most. You know, yeah. was, we were competitive not only in, in athletics, but also in putting shows on at camp shows and things sure. like that. I remember that. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. I've always said that while camp is known as a sports camp, uh, I came in because my interests were more theatrics and entertainment. And as it turns out, camp has a lot more of that than you would expect. Yes. So in your time, what was the what were those things like? What things did you do? Well, we had the senior frolics at the junior something or others. I don't know if anything more, Howard. Did anything? Well, we were there for minstrel show. And a minstrel show. That was, was a big thing. A big thing, yeah. Okay. 
that had already started before you left? No, it started when, it? when we were there. Okay. The first time, for sure. I was interlocutor a number of times. Yeah. Eddie Ellisberg and I wrote right. a lot of the script. And, and Howard uh, Teichman? Uh, yeah, very, very tough. was there before, I think he was there before in his short days. Could be. Could be. Yeah, Joe yesterday remembered, he was talking about Teichman that he remembered. Yeah. Now, I mean, big in Hollywood. Yes, very big. But, uh, it, was, it was great fun. Yeah. Is that the first time also that you had a chance to do that sort of thing, being on stage or perform yes, at all? Yes, yeah. I, I'm sure that was probably true for almost all of us. Yeah. I would guess that. Well, Marty was very good at it. He was yeah. really good. Well, didn't the uh, group, the Imaginators, begin there? Mm-hmm. I believe. I, I think so. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's true. I think it's, we put on a show at Anshiam at Synagogue. And we used to, we used to, that's where the, that's where it started. It, that's where that the imaginator started at Anshiam and Synagogue. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about the imaginators, who they were, and, and what they were known for? Well, only one was an Ojibwe person. Okay. And the other, Monty was one, Bob Lupin, and Billy Hamer. Okay. All three of those guys were my best friends, good, very close friends, and they did it at camp, and then. They were a year older than I am, but so they were, and they both had, they all went to Lakeview High School, I went to Seth. Ah. And at Lakeview they started this, and then from that they went, they got into, it was the beginning of the molding uh, the things, and they did very well, they did it very well, and they, and they, they worked at the Chicago Theater, at the Strand in New York. Mm -hmm. 5200 bucks. 50 seconds, yeah, they were very successful, and I was very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how did you get left up? <laughs> yeah, I almost thought you were one of them. Well, I was in a gym, you know, but when it, when it became money-making, I was out of it. <laughs> no, but I did, and I, 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 they were all good friends of mine. Yeah. So it was, it was I was a year younger than them. Mm. And it made a big, a big difference at that age. Certainly, yeah. certainly. And in today's world, we would call it lip syncing. Yeah, they hit it pretty big. Um, what are the good things? You, so young campers, now, when you guys first start, are you playing sort of league sports all the time? Do they split you up into teams and leagues right away? Or there was a, the midgets, the juniors, the seniors. Like maybe something in between. Pioneers. Pioneers. Yeah. Pioneers were the kids yeah. by seven years old. They're yeah. seven, eight years old. And then, and then shortly after we got there, they started the... The, uh, the Watermelon League. Remember the Watermelon League? Watermelon. That's Watermelon League, yeah. The baseball. Watermelon League. The Big Ten. Oh, Collegiate Collegiate, well, collegiate Week, too. And that, that became a very big thing. That happened a year or two after we started. Yes. And, uh, We've been sort of trying to track down when it begins. I think that 1937 is the first collegiate. Wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's right. Yeah. And so right in that time period also, camp gets big enough to start to play league sports. Before that, there were so few kids, they, they couldn't, of the same age, they couldn't really play organized leagues yeah. the whole summer long. Yeah. So they were more like practice and pick up games. And, and while we were there the first couple of years, the rec hall was built. It wasn't the rec hall oh, wow. when, when we started, right? You remember that? 
I don't remember when it was built. I thought it was 37, <laughs> I think. Okay. I'm guessing, I, you know, might have been 36. I just don't remember. I remember it wasn't there for a while. Yeah. And so there was nothing there? It was just a space yeah. that led out and to the other? And a major field there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was that second, what we call Diamond 2 now, so the, the softball diamond behind the rec hall, was yeah. that already there or was that still no. in the woods? No, that wasn't there. That came later. Now the big there's another field beyond that. Yes. Yeah. What I do they know. call that? Well, you've got two diamonds there, and then the far field is what we call the field that's even further out. So right. you go down the trail through yeah. the woods, and then there's the very far field, and that's out by the road. Yeah. They're right along the road. Yeah. yeah. We used to go up there for post camp after we got married. Ah. And we spent, a, a, I spent two, three, four years doing it. Monty. My friend Monty must have gone there for 20 years. I think he went to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know it was on the big field before the big field came in? Mm. That's where the stables were. Yeah. Ah. And the stables were there, and we had a riding room. Right. Right. Winnie. That's where they opened space. Winnie. Winnie. Horseback. We must have had about a dozen horses. Yeah. Mm. It was a big thing. Yeah. One time we were, we're back in. This is a cute story. Not cute. We were stayed in for practicing for the minstrel show, rehearsing for the minstrel show. On the Tuesday, it was at the Hype Bay. Everyone went out again. And uh, so Lenny Heyman and I, myself, and somebody else, we went out and stole three, three of our horses. <laughs> and we took a ride someplace in the water, and we take them, we come back. Oh, Buddy Horowitz was the third guy. Yeah. And uh, he died, by the way. Bert Horowitz, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, we, we take, now we get back, it's late, we start running back, and I said to Bert, take it easy, he went, through, and the horse went right into the stable, slot with him, hit his knee, broke his leg, broke everything, oh. and, and, and now we're supposed to go, and it was a whole terrible situation. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Now, I know that um, Camp had their own horses for a while, and then after that, they moved them off-site, I think, and I had them so, somewhere yeah. else, or? Yeah, they, the problem became so expensive insurance-wise. Oh. In fact, at Agua, I had horses for about three, four years, and the, the cost was just mm -hmm. prohibitive. Uh, and we had to give up horseback riding. Oof. Yeah, too bad. But then there was stables outside, and you went down, the 45 or on one of the roads there, I think for, was it 45? Yeah. Uh, there was a stables there where they took the kids. Yeah. So you mentioned horseback riding. What are some of the other things? I mean, we think of the traditional sports. You guys obviously played base, 16 inch or 12 inch you know, baseball and, and. No 12 inch. <laughs> oh, back then, no 12 inch. Just 16 inch, of course. Just the clincher. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what were some of the other things you guys did, activity-wise? Well, there was, every Saturday was a track meet. Oh, okay. Every, every Sunday was a swimming meet. <laughs> and everybody participated. Yeah. I mean, I, in the track meet, I used to end up last every time, but I was in it. Hmm. And, and most of us were, you know. <clears throat> but in the swimming meet, I was a pretty good swimmer, so nice. I liked that. I, that was it. So that was a lot of fun. We looked forward to Saturdays and Sundays. Saturday was a big inspection before a cabin yeah. inspection. Yeah, super, super inspection. So your cabin got checked every day, but then Saturday was the big check? Is that how it works? I think we had to take the bids out of the cabin. Or the, yeah, I think so. Especially cabin one, where they wet the beds. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, they were five years old. I guess we can no, give them a little slack. <laughs> Not too many five-year-olds, but they're worse. Huh? Yeah. Nowadays, eight is really pretty young yeah. for camp. That's about as young as we go. Really? But we do a prep camp program. So if they're seven or eight, they can come up for a weekend. And they do like a... They kind of jam everything into one weekend for them. And if they're six, they can come up with their dad, and they stay together. Father, son, we call it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we've turned what was the wood shop in your day, we've turned that into a cabin for those programs. Is Mickey Schwartz active in a camp at all? He is not. Um, as far as I know, he's only really even visited once since the, they sold camp. But um, he and I sat down and talked, and we did an interview, and I got to meet him. That was the first time I'd gotten to meet him. Very nice man. Ellen has been, his sister's been up there a few times. Mm-hmm. And, of course, his granddaughters, uh, not his granddaughters, his kids have sent kids to camp. Yeah. So they're there almost every, some of them family. Yeah. Billy Susan, is there, did you just mm-hmm. notice a doctor one year? Yes. Uh, Susan had four boys that all came to camp, and her husband was the camp doctor for all those years. Mm-hmm. Last year was the last year that she was there. I mean, that they were coming up to be camp doctor. Um, Margie, who's another granddaughter, she has a son at camp, or a, yes, a son at camp now. Um, Julie, who was a granddaughter, had a son who already went through camp. And then I don't know about Nancy, that's the other, on mm-hmm. that side. And then on the other side is Karen Sutker, and she had boys who came to camp. Mm-hmm. She worked at camp. I think maybe she went to Agawak, too. I think Karen went to Agawak and then came back and worked at camp. So mm-hmm. the Schwartz family still has a lot, of, uh, a lot of tendrils, but Mickey himself, Mickey and Reba had not been back. And I got to sit down with both of them separately and do interviews, and it was really lovely because mm-hmm. I'd heard so much about them over the years. Yeah, wonderful. But you guys were there in Al, I mean, Al was still a young man, oh, man. still in his prime. Um, yeah. Not that he didn't have a lot of prime, as it turned out. But tell me a little bit about um, Al and what your relationship as a camper would be with Al as he was there. Well, was a, he was really a great leader, uh, really a, a model for all the campers to try to follow. He came out of somewhere on the west side of Chicago, some, some kind of a, might have been with the, uh, what was the Chicago youth group out there? Uh, Benebrith, possibly, or whatever. And uh, I think it is, he was in his mid to late 20s, I think, when he started Ojibwa. Mm. But he was a strong guy. He was a powerful guy. He had a great chest, you know, and muscle. And, and uh, <clears throat> the big thing was every, every morning, and maybe when you were there, too, uh, we had to get down to uh, take a dip in the lake. Sure. Take a dip in the shower, strip, strip ourselves down, nothing on, a towel, and take it all the way on the sand. Everybody had to run in. But he would get the exercises first, you know. Mm-hmm. And this, 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 all the different exercises we had to follow. Six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't know if that continued up to your time it's a or not. early for me. Uh, nowadays, I, we get camp up about eight o'clock. Well, maybe, I, maybe it wasn't six, but it was, it was no, pretty it was, early. It wasn't. It was maybe seven o'clock. I don't know. Something like that. Now, but, were you guys more dip or more shower? I would be. I'm, I think mostly dip. The guys that run it. Everyone dip. They, they, they run it all run into the lake. Yeah. Was yeah. Yeah. Most everyone went in for all a dip? dip all the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. sure. And colder than morning, we gave it a brag. It's so cold. That lake can be pretty cold. Yes, it can. Pretty cold. So you dip or shower, you get the day started with some calisthenics, and then breakfast. Tell me about the food. So you've got Katie Evans yes. cooking all the food. Katie and Martin. 
and Martin, of yeah, course, yeah, running yeah. around being a handyman. How's the food? Food was good. I don't know. At that age, everything is good. Sure. You know, so it's fine. <laughs> as long as there's plenty of it, yeah. I suppose. I had a reputation of probably the best food of any camp, really. You, get, you know, you get all this the special stuff you'd buy from Holland, all these top grade, with the big number 10 cans, and uh, which were great. And you'd buy beasts from Fellowship Brothers, which was the top purveyor of meats. And Al really maintained a very high standard. Yes. Mm. And he was, he was, this he's talking about time before, I, when I was still a camper. Sure. But later in my life, I still, I was now working in my dad's business, selling food to Camp Ojibwa. Mm. And uh, it became a bigger camp, became a bigger customer. Of course, anything they wanted, they got, you of know. Of course. So, <laughs> and, uh, so it was, it was very, they, he was very particular about quality. He was more, more concerned with quality, quality than price. Yeah. And uh, it was good. Yeah, I, th I mean, it speaks to who Al was. I mean, his philosophy was, you know, this is my camp, and these are my boys, and I want to take care of them, and I want them to have the good things, yeah. you know. That really says a lot about him. Now, you guys are there just before Pearl comes into the picture, right? No, she was... Was she already there? <clears throat> she was already there. <clears throat> I don't remember camp without Pearl. Hmm. Pearl was there in 1932, was her first year, I think, uh, was it? I'm trying know? to think. I, I talked with Nussbaum, and Nussbaum started in 33, and he said he remembered a couple of years before her. So I'm not before sure. Before her? That's what he said. Now, no, no. Third, Pearl was already there. Pearl was married to Al in 30, I think they got married in 32. Mm. I think because I was 33, she's my aunt. And uh, she was the one who brought me to camp, really. Okay. So it had to be 32, I think, was her. So tell me a little about Pearl. I can remember when Mickey was born. Oh, wow. yeah, that, was a, that was a big thing up there. Yeah, yeah, so it was a baby. Had a, baby, had a baby, baby come in. Yeah. And then daughter later on, a couple of years later, I, I think, whatever. Yeah. And once, when Mick was little, was he just running around camp? Just one of the yeah, guys? Yeah, he was, he, was, he was a pretty quiet kid. I don't, I don't think they was... I think I sort of kept him quiet. Mm. I, I don't remember him as being a non-camper. Yeah, I don't remember him at all at that. Mickey? Yeah. Yeah. Al was tough on Mickey. He was very, wanted Mickey to be the best in everything. Remember that? And his favorite phrase was, it uh, doesn't matter whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. Right, always. And how you play the game. And who, yeah. Someone told me the story the other day that he went out, the bus took him to another camp to, for competition. And Al says, on the, play well, guys. If you lose, don't come back to camp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'll believe you. I don't, I don't believe that story. I don't believe that. <laughs> well, we, we don't play other camps as often as, as they did in the 30s and 40s and, and into the 50s. It was pretty regular to do even swim meets, I guess, with other camps and things like that. I don't know about practice. I remember swim meets. Swim meets and, and softball. Yeah. These days we do softball and and uh, volleyball and basketball. And, and for the little little kids, there's a game called Nukem, which is like volleyball, but you don't have to hit the ball; you just catch it, throw it, and catch it, and throw it. Is it tennis competition. 
Tennis, no. I, I, camp tennis, especially for campers, has really fallen by the wayside. The only time we play is during collegiate week. Um, well, we also do an event called the Olympics, which is like a miniature collegiate week now. Because we, so, we have the two sessions, first four and second four. So they wanted to do a big competition like collegiate week. Um, but yeah, so you might, a kid might play two tennis matches all summer. Oh. Yeah, and the tennis talent reflects it. I mean, it's watching a camp tennis game is like watching paint dry. <laughs> no one moves. They just stand on the baseline and back and forth to each other without moving. There is actually reminds me of Larry Guilford. Should have had Larry was a camper there for many years. Do you know the name? Oh yeah. Hmm? Forgot about that. Yeah. You mentioned Nussbaum, Mike Nussbaum, you yes. interviewed him. Mm -hmm. uh, he, was, he was a very, very good athlete up there his, uh, those years. Remember yeah. Mike, Mike was really good, good all the way around. I think swimmer, baseball, anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, acting, of course, he got yeah. a little bit. When we were there, he got the name Popeye because they had boxing. Oh. And it was by age group. Okay. And my very good friend was about 6'4", and I was about 5'8". <laughs> And they came, but we were both the same age, Bobby Cohn and I. <laughs> so I ran around and he didn't try to catch me. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get in a match with Bobby. It was Bobby. Six four, it's a pretty big guy, especially those oh, days. Yeah, like maybe six one or six two, but still big, big tall guy, nice guy, wonderful guy. Yeah, good friend. So then you would play sports all day, and then you're in the cabin. Now in your cabin, you've got your counselors. Are there guys that you that you really connected with? Guys you sure. remember, uh, counselor wise? Yes. Yeah. In, in almost every case, I, I I never remember not having a counselor. Having never having a counselor I didn't like. Mm. I don't think so. And uh, it was good. Yeah. We just we just loved it. You know. Was it? And it, I mean, nowadays we call it the hang, the hangout. Um, but it really was about that time of just getting to spend with the other people in the cabin, a new counselor, and sitting around talking about nothing and just talking about everything, all the same. We were pretty busy because we were in athletics. We participated, no matter how good we were, whatever it is, we, we tried to do it. And we also did the stage stuff, you know, the theatrics and yeah. singing and things like that. So, and almost everybody. Did you say that, Jerry? Almost every a, a lot of great camp songs. I, I remember quite a few, yeah. <laughs> or parts of them, anyway. And, uh, you know, the cheering and all that stuff. Sure. Cheers, you know. some of the, what are some of the camp songs? I mean, if you remember a little bit. We, well, of course, here's the Campo Jib. Well, everybody knows that one. Right, that's the that. classic. Still sung today. Yeah. I think it would. It's the far northland that's a calling me away. Yes, take I to my busket in my, my, my gun or something like that. Oh, that's her. That wasn't really, didn't mention Camp Ochoa, but there was a song up there. I remember that one. Yeah. You, know, you guys had piano players? Did you have guys who were yeah. piano players that kind of... My, my friend Monty was, but there was another guy named George Siskind. Okay. Red-headed guy. And he was a really good musician. Mm. Very good. He was the best. And... <laughs> so you could probably come up with a lot of names. Yeah. Now, did you guys stick around long enough to become counselors? I, I did. I don't think Jerry no. did. Yeah. I, uh, junior I dropped out. Mm. Then World War II started and things changed. So. Certainly. 
Certainly. There's a bit, I've noticed that in talking with guys, there's a very definitive line. Anyone who was there before 41 was not there after 41. And, um, but when you became a counselor, how was that experience different for you? Well, we, were, we had the experience of being campers under a counselor so that we knew what was expected of us and what we expected the people in our cabin uh, to do. And, and there was no, never any problems that I can remember. I never had a problem. I was a junior counselor and the counselor, so but a short period of time. And so. Yeah. So. Um, when, when you talk to guys, or when you guys get together and talk about camp, what are some of those great camp stories that you still have in your back? Oh, it's, some it's of the been a long time since we've been doing that. You know? <laughs> yeah. we're, we're both 90 years old, practically. You know, sure. We're just a few months away from 90, so... This guy, Howie Teichman, was was amazing. He took a lot of, he did, did a lot of those, the songs that we, we sang, but he, he would improvise and take a popular tune and change it. For, I, one that sticks in my mind. Put his own words to it. There was one, the words. Yeah. It was about, about some guy who was up there and he gets involved with pirates or something like that. And his name was Philly Buster. No, no, Phil, <laughs> and it goes, Philly Buster, you are doomed to die. Philly Buster, wipe the tear from off your eye for you will die and you know why. So, 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 so ba, 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 ba. Company attention, Philly Buster's going to die. And they, I remember they were all, they had a bunch of guys up there with p p make believe guns, you know, they were going to shoot this guy, and then some, somebody gets rescued. And wow. uh, <laughs> that song sticks in my mind. Yeah, that's funny. But Philly Buster. Did you guys leave camp with a few trophies here and there? Medals, maybe? Well, good athletes did. My last year I was a best swimmer, and I was, a, my friend Monty was an all around best camper, and I was the best senior camper. So this is, this is a, how it went. I saw, Nussbaum had a best swimmer. <coughs> yeah. He said that in those days you took it home for the summer, or for the year, but then you brought it back, and the next guy got it. I don't remember he that thought. at all. Yeah, he said. And, and he was, you know, he was older than me. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it changed or something, but he, he said his mom made a, duplicate of the one he brought home. All right. what he had. Howard, do you remember getting a trophy for whatever, taking it home and have to bring it back? Not bringing it back. No, I can't remember like that. Stanley Cup kind of a thing? <clears throat> yeah. I don't remember that at all. Hmm. I didn't get that many trophies. I have, no, I, have I, think, I, think I, I think I won a trophy by first year of Best Pioneer. I remember that cup. I don't know where that what we, what it was. Disappeared. Was a little cup, got, best, so best, the, best pioneer of the, the year. Trophy, I won that. For the best cup. senior camper, I think it was 1941 or 42. And, uh, they stopped doing that. Yeah. And I have it up in, the, in, in our house in receipt. I've got that trophy there, and I show it to everybody. Do you have a sense of camp getting bigger in 42 because of the war effort, or maybe being smaller? Either way. Well, no, nothing. Or if it was just I, sort of no. business as usual. This is usual, I think. Camp was maintained for, they built cabin 13, which they had a few people too and so on. Mm -hmm. But camp, That's maybe, right. maybe it got up to 150 was probably the highest number I remember. Used to be eight people in a cabin. Eight, and then they went and for 12, it was about 100 campers in when I started. Yeah, I'd and say about 100. 13, which I think there were 24 and 13. And then they took the two beds down the middle. So mm -hmm. instead of eight, it was 10 in a cabin. 
you know, they've been. But the splurge up to 250 didn't take place until not, not what we were there. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, so they put the bunk beds in maybe in the 90s, and they made it the four-week session as, a, as an option. No, there's no four-week session. Right. I remember when I had camp, I never wanted to go over 120 campers. In one year, I had 122 campers, and I almost panicked, you know. <laughs> you get to know the campers a lot better than you. Sure. Today, Agua probably has 250 campers. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have more than us. There's certainly years where we have socials with them, where it seems like they outnumber us. Did you guys have socials with the girls camps? No. Nothing like that? Nothing like everything. Uh, what about the Braves? Were the Braves? Braves and Warriors, that's very important thing. What was that process like then, to become a Brave and you, a Warrior? You were elected by your other campers, right? By the Braves themselves. The Braves. Who would be the new Braves. Yeah. Did it have anything to do with age or anything, or did, did it not matter? Not too many. They had to be at camp for a few years, so they had to be probably did 12 or 13. Gotcha. You wouldn't be like a first-year camper. No, absolutely not. Yeah. There were no first or second-year campers, I would believe, that became Braves. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Of course, then, Warriors were the oldest were right. 16 years old. So you become a warrior as you're sort of graduating to junior counselor status and things like that? I think something like that, yeah. yeah. And you got warrior rings? Was that already, were they already doing those yet? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't remember. I was a warrior, but I don't remember. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so I guess in the big picture, camp was a long time ago, uh -huh. um, but certainly we're sitting here at this table and we're all talking about camp and we're having great memories and, and yeah. speaking the same language. Um, so the big question I like to ask everyone is just simply, how did your time at camp affect the rest of your life? Of your life? Well, probably. Al Schwartz used to say, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, and he pounded good sportsmanship and being a good person into our heads all the time. He used to make these speeches at lunch or at dinner all the time of this nature. And um, so I think that impacted me, that I tried to live that type of a life. Perfect. I think, I think that we had a lot of camaraderie up there, yeah. which uh, still sticks, hang, hangs together, you know, you know, like his example. A handful of guys still remember Camp Ojibwa. Uh, there's another fellow named Alan Klein, who's my age and Bobby's age, too, and yeah, he, he had... Uh, he, he was always very nostalgic about it. And once we start talking about having a reunion of who's left from the 30s, and we cut up to about 17 guys. <laughs> Still around. You're on that list. <laughs> Nussbaum is on the list. Domesh was on that list, but he's gone. Domesh died this year. Yeah. Did you interview him? I did. I interviewed him in May. I just I thought you Oh, really? Oh, you yeah. caught, oh, caught Domesh? so great. I, I went over to his place, and... Uh, he wasn't getting around physically very well, oh. but mentally everything was fine. So I just sat on his couch and I told him who I was. And once you know we kind of got that clear, we started talking about camp, and it just poured out. He went back to I think 1931 or 1930, something like that. 
he was yeah. he pursued. No, oh, no, he Marshall pursued. was an original camper. He was a 28. Oh, he was not a 28? Mm -hmm. Really? Marshall? Yeah. There were two of them. There was Marshall and Norman Domesh. There yes. were two brothers. He said, I love this story. He said um, he was five years old his first year. Yeah. And he said, people asked our family, you know, are you a little worried sending Marshall up to camp? He's five years old. They said, no, don't worry about it. His brother will watch him. His brother was seven. Yeah. <laughs> well, he loved that. So he was so good. So you and got he told me a story about um, he was in the war and he was coming back from somewhere in Japan, heading this way, and got on a plane. And he was an officer, and Monty Feldman was in the back. He was a not an officer. And they weren't supposed to intermingle, but as soon as he saw him, he said he went back there and just grabbed him and hugged him and sat with him the whole flight. And Monty got off eight hours later somewhere, and they went their separate ways. But that, you know, he said he ran into a few camp guys when he was in the war, different things. Do you guys remember Irv Alpert? Of course. Staff man? Sure, sure. Andrew and Matt, too long ago. I, I, I did. I don't remember him. Irving Alpert? The name sounds familiar. name does, too, but I don't yeah. remember the guy. Maybe in the 40s, in the early, late 90s, late 30s, early 40s, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, L. Schwartz had a bit of... Oh, a, a, oh, a, oh a, that, I think. I think he was a counselor. El Schwartz having been a very, very, very strong athletic, athletic guy, mm -hmm. and he brought in a lot of counselors. Hello to Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hi, excellent. It's nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I'll take it. Most most of his counselors were were, were really strong athletes. Yeah. Yeah. We had we had a guy Sally Sherman up there once. Who was a quarterback for the Chicago Bears back of Not the Bears, the University of Chicago? Cardinals was it Cardinals? Yeah, Chicago Cardinals. He was behind who? Yeah. So, who he was didn't play in the Bears? But he was no. Wait, did you put Cardinals? Well, he was second. He was second second string quarterback. Yeah. I think to Sid Luckman or somebody like that. Sid Luckman was the Bears. Bears, yeah. yeah you, Sally was with the Cardinals, huh? Uh, we have a few guys like that. Yeah. Outstanding. I was going to say, do you guys remember some of the big, big athletes of your time? Who the big? It seems like everyone who was at camp during their time, there's a couple of guys who really stick out as the main guys. I mean, maybe you were one of them. Oh, who knows? Well, you know, Bob sticks out of my mind. Mm -hmm. Mash was a good swimmer. There was a guy named Bob Birkenfield way well, back. He's older than us. Older. Now, this guy was such a great swimmer. He would shoot off a gun and all the guys dive into water. Mm -hmm. Well, what would happen, this guy was so good that when the first gun went off, he didn't go. And he'd shoot off another gun where the guys were, and he would catch him and he'd, he would win. He was wow. Bobby Birkenfield. I don't, I don't remember, remember him. remember that at all. You remember that? Hank Bob? was a, Hank 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 a, a shot putter. A shot putter. Yeah. Weightlifter, yeah. The Barnsteins were pretty good athletes. Yeah, they were all good athletes. Hank. Hank and Irv. And I, I maintained a friendship with Hank, obviously, for a lot of years. But it's been a lot of years since I've seen him, even. He's gone. Is he gone? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure he's gone. It happens to us all the time. So we got a bottle. Find out somebody that you haven't seen for a while, there's a reason for it. Yeah. Well, Bob, we got a bottle stew here, here at the club, haven't we? Not that I know of. Who? Bartle we have Steve. a bottle stew here at the club? Uh, yeah. Uh, Gordy or Jordan? Gordy. Oh, yeah, Gordy is. Gordy. Yeah. yeah. Remember here. I think so. 
I think you remember Bridmore back in Chicago. I may be thinking of that, unless he's out here too. Yeah, who are you, Steve? Thank you. Um, first half will have about 225, and second half will probably have about 245, 250. And are there some stays for yeah. both? About 160, 170 stay for the whole thing. So you're still a councilman up there? I am. I, I run How many the oldest years? cabin. How many years have you been there? I started in 2000. Oh, it's fine. It's cool. You've been a councilman that long. Yeah. And um, so Elliot Friedman, who is super young to you guys, but he's been at camp since the 50s continuously. And he ran the oldest cabin for a long time. And now he's, he and I were together as counselors for a while. And now he's sort of stepped aside. It's, it's my but I Elliot doesn't have a cabin now? No, he's out of the cabin. And he basically, he's kind of become part-time. He comes up for collegiate week. Oh, that and during the first session, he'll come up for you know, three or four days here and there. Gentlemen, uh, is there anything we forgot? I know your stomachs are growling. We never talked about the nurses. Well, now let's get into this for a second. <laughs> now that's a very good point, and I'm glad that you brought that up. And I'll even start by telling you that my first year at camp, I got engaged to the nurse. Oh, yeah. It didn't work out, luckily for everyone. But, uh, but the camp nurses seem to be one of those universal truths at Camp Ojibwe, that there will always be camp nurses that the boys are interested in. That everybody lied about. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't possibly be, have been as pretty as, as you remember, right? <laughs> And we got 75 boys going after two girls. Like <laughs> yeah. Two nurses. So yeah. Two nurses mm -hmm. and a doctor. And a doctor. Mm -hmm. Well, we have, so George Sachs is there all summer long now. Mm -hmm. George. Um, George and Karen. And so he's always there. Then we usually have at least one other doctor. And then nurse-wise, we might have as many as five. We might have four or five. Oh, really? They put a big, they, they really put a big focus on that. But I mean, these days, probably 30% of the kids take at least one pill a day. I mean, the, med the medications for that many kids, it's just to keep it all organized. Wow. Yeah. It really, that's a real change in the times. I'm sorry I brought up nurses. <laughs> no, we got serious a little bit, but, you know. But what were thing there any other women other than Pearl? No. It was just Pearl Molly. Oh, of course. Molly. Molly. Uh, wow. yeah. and, uh, she was there all the time. Mm -hmm. And I found that young Pearl was... a relatively attractive well, woman. Well, I was too young to know the difference. Sure. <laughs> Uh, but one, one activity up there that I thought was great and I really loved was the, the trips. Mm. Canoe trips, boat trips, those trips where we canoe somewhere along the line, wind up down, down Eagle River or something like that. Sure. Did you guys yeah. do it overnight? We did over, overnights. Okay. Of, and even the overnight hikes were fun too, but they, the, the big deal was the boat, the boat trips. Yeah. Going out there. That was great. They still do the three island swim? No, they don't even do a one island swim. Oh, really? really? Our swim area stops at the raft, which I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, the sure, raft sure. is right. out there already? Yeah, so yeah. they put a rope there, and that's the end of the swim area. No. Really? Yeah. I hear guys, you know, obviously I've talked to guys and talk about the one island, the two island. Yeah, the three Le island. Less Gerby. Three islands. Right across the lake. When he was a camera, Less Gerby. I don't know. Is he wearing a bum? I remember one, I was a junior, I think, and I won the three island swim. We did the three island? Yeah. I never did the three. I did the two. I never did three. Oh, yeah, these days we can't. Insurance risk, you know. Oh yeah. Can't let them out that far. Okay. All right, well, fellas. Well, thank you all so much. I, fun. I appreciate this Chris. so much. You guys taking the time, and it was such a pleasure to meet you guys.
Okay, that is it. Another one in the books. Jerry Weinstein, Bob Holub, Sonny Gilbert. How about those guys, huh? Oh, they were they were something else. Uh, and that brief interruption uh, you heard there <laughs> was Bob's wife coming in and uh, saying hello to me and then telling me I was very attractive and I should stick around for a while. <laughs> uh, they were really wonderful. And, you know, for guys who haven't been at camp, you know, who were at camp in the 30s to still sit around and uh, just remember the good old times. It just reminds you what this is all about. And it was awesome. So thank you to those guys. I can't wait to see them again. Hopefully they'll all come in for the 90th. Oh yeah. The 90th summer. You guys haven't heard May 6th, 2017. Save the date. Get it ready. May 6th. Put it on your calendar. Now you're going to want to be there. The best party ever in Ojibwe history. That's what I'm telling you. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how, drop me an email, Christopher at campojibwehistory.org, or just run by the website and say hello. That is it. I'm finally leaving camp tomorrow. This is my last night here. So you know I'm going out on the back porch of Denny's house and having a cigar. <laughs> <laughs>